Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. And when I rise, let me rise like a bird joyfully. And when I fall, let me fall like a leaf gracefully without regret. And when I stand, let me stand like a tree strong and tall. And when I lie, let me lie like a lake, peacefully, calm and still. And when I work, let me work like a bee, wholeheartedly. And when I play, let me play like a breeze, refreshingly light and clear. And when I rise, let me rise like a bird joyfully. And when I fall, let me fall like a leaf, gracefully, without regret. Gracefully, without regret. I first heard that a long time ago, and it was attributed to a practice that comes from Plum Village in France, which is the community built around the incredible Vietnamese Buddhist teacher of mindfulness, Thich Nhat Hanh, who, as his followers say, transitioned uh, out of this world just very recently. And I've been thinking a lot about him and his legacy of mindfulness and how it relates to everyday activities like rising and falling and standing and lying and working and playing, which is the essence of that particular piece that I don't believe was written by him, but was certainly part of a practice around his community. So I'm thinking, and this is the first podcast I've made for quite a while, actually, for quite a while. And I'm thinking that there's just been a lot going on in the world. Obviously, there's been a lot going on in the world. And right now, we're in the Hebrew month of Adar. And it's also the beginning of uh, a new month, the month of February, It's uh, as, I, as I record this. And it's also the beginning of the Chinese New Year, the year of the tiger. And uh, just been thinking about the confluence of Adar and February and Chinese New Year and thinking about the concept of of joy and how joy relates to presence, really. Because the rabbis say, Mishe Nichnas Adar Marabim Basimcha, which is this extraordinary and audacious, really, statement that says, when the month of Adar enters, joy increases. Joy increases, and my goodness, we 
we feel the diminishment, the diminishing of, of joy, don't we, in in this world as we confront all of the all of the the things that we confront just seem so endless these last two years. So what is simcha? What is what is joy? And can joy be cultivated? Can joy be manufactured in a certain way? Can it be that certain times of year are more connected to joy than others? And what is it about the month of Adar? Obviously, in its original intent, it's because Adar is the month that contains Purim, which is this, this very joyful uh, festival. But, but this year is a, a Jewish leap year, so we have two months of Adar, which means two whole months of Simcha, whatever that might mean. Whatever that might mean. And I think that it's complicated, isn't it? It's really complicated to think of joy um, when we're not feeling it. <laughs> when we might be feeling sad and broken and fearful um, and angry and all, all of the intense emotions that we're feeling. It's not always joy that we're feeling, is it? And so I just want to reflect on that and just say that I think there's this very profound difference between joy and fun. In Hebrew, you might say that, well, not really fun, but oneg is a word that means sort of pleasantness or delight is a better translation. Delight, the kind of delight that we have. Joy doesn't necessarily have to be delight. Simcha doesn't have to be delight. And I think what I want to suggest in this short time is that joy in its most expressive and most important form really comes from from being present. And being present is really what Thich Nhat Han teaches. Being present, being mindful, kind of accepting the, the freshness and the beauty of the moment that we're in. Thich Nhat Hanh himself says that Many people think excitement is happiness, but when you're excited, you're not peaceful. True happiness is based on peace. True happiness is based on peace, he says. And he also says in another place, without suffering, there's no happiness. So we shouldn't discriminate against the mud. We have to learn how to embrace and cradle our own suffering and the suffering of the world with a lot of tenderness. Embracing suffering. So... Without suffering, there's no happiness. So in order to understand simcha, in order to understand joy, we have to also recognize that joy and suffering are part of the same same thing, in a way. We're caught up, you know, um, famously Rabbi Nachman of Bratslav, the great-grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, the Hasidic master. There's a quote that is so often attributed, and it is a part of his teaching, to Rabbi Nachman, that says, Mitzvah gadola tamid. It is a great mitzvah, it is a sacred and huge obligation to be happy all of the time. And, you know, there's a music that goes with that. Mitzvah gadola But like, it's a big mitzvah to be happy all of the time. It can be a very dangerous psychological condition that can be created because if if we feel like it is a mitzvah it's a sacred obligation for us to be happy all the time what if we're not feeling happy then we feel like we're we're somehow breaching this obligation and that can 
can lead to depression and sadness because we can't be happy all of the time, right? And so what does that, what does that really mean? What does that really mean? Mitzvah Gadol, Tamid. And people who've really studied the work and the teaching of, of Rabbi Nachman of Bratzlav and his biography a little bit, he was not a super joyful character by all accounts. In fact, uh, uh, Arthur Green, in his book, The Tormented Master, which is a book about Rabbi Nachman, he sort of describes him as being something of a manic depressive, a bit bipolar, which people I know who are much closer to the teachings of Rabbi Nachman don't really really object to that that reduction of who he was and talk about him more that he just flowed from one state to another state. But either way, the text itself, the context in which that that text comes from, Mitzvah Gadol Eliot Tamid, that it's a big Liot Basimcha Tamid, that it's a big mitzvah to be happy all of the time, to be joyful all of the time. Um, in its in its wider context, it says, uh, Rabbi Nachman says, Ulehitka be ulehachik ha'atzvut v'hamara shechora b'chol kocho. The person should really strive to to keep um, dark the, a dark kind of bitterness and sadness um, away. But then he suggests a practice, which um, which he says that uh, we should um, have time every single day where we are able to to be in all of the other emotions. Uh, he talks about sha'ami yochedet, a special time in which our heart is broken, lev nishba, in which we are able to just express our broken-heartedness. And if we really allow ourselves to be in that state for an hour a day, then the rest of the day, according to him, will be besimcha, will be joyful. I don't know if that's true or if that's not true. But I, I, what, I, what I want to suggest, and really there's a very profound teaching that comes from Rabbi Alan, Yu, Alan Liu of Blessed Memory, who wrote an extraordinary book um, based on preparation for the high holidays, called This Is Real and You Are Completely Unprepared. This is real and you are completely unprepared. This is real and you are completely unprepared. And he writes in it about Sukkot, the festival of booths where we you know, build this temporary structure and dwell in it, a time that the rabbis called Zman Simchatenu. So when it comes to the month of Adar, they say, that joy increases in the month of Adar. And when it comes to Sukkot, they say it's Zman Simchatenu, it is the season of our joy. And what Rabbi Lu says, which I find very profound and important, he says, when we speak of joy here, we're not speaking of fun. Joy is a deep release of the soul, and it includes death and pain. Joy is any feeling fully felt, any experience we give our whole being to. We are conditioned to choose pleasure and to reject pain, but the truth is, any moment of our life fully inhabited, any feeling fully felt, any immersion in the full depth of life can be the source of deep joy. We are conditioned, I'm going to read that sentence again, we are conditioned to choose pleasure and to reject pain. But the truth is, any moment of our life fully inhabited, any feeling fully felt, any immersion in the 
full depth of life can be the source of deep joy. And that is so similar, isn't it, to the, the teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh, the idea that we can't really know happiness uh, unless we also know suffering, and that, in fact, by embracing suffering, it is, in fact, a way to experience joy, as Alan Liu says. And what Thich Nhat Hanh really teaches so much is, is just about the power of being present in each moment. He says something so beautiful, another quote from him. He says, waking up this morning, I smile. Waking up this morning, I smile. 24 brand new hours are before me. I vow to live fully in each moment and to look at all beings with eyes of compassion. I vow to live fully in each moment. That's the essence, I think, and I'm not... uh, disciple or a serious student of Thich Nhat Hanh, but I think the essence of his teaching is just that, to live fully in each moment, whatever the external circumstances might be, to live fully in each moment. There's a deep uh, and important power in that, and there's a power in that that can really lead to a sense of simcha. And so in this very complex and confusing and frightening, frankly, frightening world you know there's so many things that grab our attention and 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 make us fearful even that is part of being in the present moment just to recognize our fear to recognize our anger to recognize our pain to recognize our brokenheartedness and to hold it all together in the present moment maybe that's not what Rabbi Nachman is saying who's suggesting more that we dedicate an hour only a day to feel those things and the rest of the time we try to cultivate this sense of of simcha, the sense of joy. Maybe they're not contradicting each other. Maybe Rabbi Nachman knew in a deep way what Thich Nhat Hanh knew, which is about joy coming from presence. And this idea that if we're really, really present in each moment, if we're really focusing on our, on our breath, whatever is going on around us, and by the way, <laughs> Just to be clear, anyone who knows anything about Thich Nhat Hanh, it's not like he was just sort of transcending the, the pain of the world. I mean, he was an absolute activist. He was a peace builder. And the community he created was, was about mindful action. So being mindful in each moment, being able to smile into that pain and suffering, like he said, I smile. You know, there's this idea that every breath in, we smile. Every breath out, we accept exactly uh, who we are in this moment, you know, that's part of part of his teaching too. So, here we are. <laughs> it feels like every moment is a potential for a, for a transition. We're in this month of Adar. We're in the year of the tiger, which is a, a whole a whole other subject, but um, having spent time in, in Hong Kong and having... Uh, Chinese brother-in-law, I do think about about Chinese New Year in, a, in a, a bit of a sense. My sister is a, and her husband are both tigers on the on the Chinese horoscope, and the the traditional greeting for the Chinese New Year is Kung Hui Fat Choi, which means Happy New Year in Chinese. So Happy New Year, uh, Happy Chinese New Year, Happy Month of Ada. And may we just experience joy through, through deep presence. 
and breathing into that. In the Parsha, in the Torah this week, we are beginning this whole very long narrative about the uh, construction project, the incredibly intricate artistic project of building the Mishkan, building the, the sanctuary, the Mishkan or the Mikdash, a space of holiness, a space of divine presence and dwelling. And the Mishkan is also about a place of presence, a place of presence, and that's where we get the sense of joy, is through that through that presence. And the Torah says, "V'asuli mikdash v'shachanti b'tocham." If you know, it says, "Let the people, let them make for me a mikdash, a holy space, and then I will come and dwell among them. I will dwell in their hearts." So we, whether it's online or in person, whether it's in our homes or in our communities, whether it's through the the work and the activism that we do, we create, we create, and we have the capacity to keep and continue creating spaces of presence, spaces of divinity, spaces of light, spaces of healing, spaces that feel safe in a world that doesn't feel very safe. And we say, Asuli Mikdash V'Shechanti B'Tocham, let's all participate in creating safe and sacred space in the world, and space where we can be present, and in that presence, space where we can really experience the joy of each new breath and each new moment being a source of that joy. Ve'asuli mihigdash v'shachanti b'tocham Ve'asuli mihigdash v'shachanti Betocham. And when I rise, let me rise like a bird joyfully. And when I fall, let me fall like a leaf gracefully without regret. It's good to be back. Thanks for listening, and uh, hope to hope to be more present in this coming year, and I hope that for all of us. Thank you for listening to a dash and drush. We will see you next time.